mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? Arkansas, no. <laughs> so episode 68 on the baby ballot makes it the Jody uh episode Jody with an I, by the way. Okay. Not with a Y, so then <laughs> you know, got a little extra flavor, a little zest, a little pizzazz, if you <laughs> For, will. Comparatively. Comparatively, yes. So Jody, but um, we've been kind of just jumping in the last couple episodes. So I figured we'd just mm-hmm. do like a little mini, little mini lifer, you know. Okay. Little update. So today, as of recording, it's the day before Halloween. It's the thirtieth. Mm-hmm. So that's just where we are in this place and time. All Hallows Eve, Eve. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I still got to work in. I'm a little behind. I, I still have two more meal ideas in mind that I haven't worked in. So hopefully <laughs> one tonight, maybe one for Halloween tomorrow. Otherwise, it's you know, I got a little messed up this year. Going out of town in the middle of getting a job in the middle of the month just kind of like <laughs> threw a little wrench in things. So getting a job's a drag. <laughs> um, so that's and then Tim, you just got back from the annual man trip. Yep. They go every. So what year is this? Year eleven. Eleven. This is year eleven. Yeah. Because yeah, last year was the big. The Tanner. Year. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was the name of that trip? Because here's the thing. I think we've explained this before, but they name the trip mm-hmm. after like after they've done something that happens or something funny. Two years ago, everybody was in a really um, like rough life place just because with work and family stuff. And there were some like parents that were kind of their health was declining and everybody had like kind of a rough year that year. So we all spent a lot of time napping, (laughs) chilling in chairs, napping in hammocks. Like, so we called that year nap town. And when you compare it to like the early days when we were like going on six hour rides in the razors and like shooting a lot. And so we've actually made the joke that like this trip is what we need it to be. It's not a specific itinerary of activities, you know. So yeah. as we've gotten older, we've needed it to be more of like a relaxation. So that's where it is. I didn't even shoot this year. Um, a bunch of them went out to a spot and they were shooting. I took a nap in a hammock and it was incredible. What did you guys name last year? Last year was, oh, that's a good question. I think this sticker was like the, it had something to do with like the 10 year. I don't think we Uh-oh. named it specifically. I think it was the 10 year. You've had Naptown, Snowfest. Ew, Snowfest what, other, what other names have you guys maybe had? I'll tell some. Maybe I'll tell some select stories for like the pickle people. Yeah. Um, but- my favorite one was we had <clears throat> kind of a wife of one of the group's um, stepdad has been going for a couple years. And there was one year that he kept like, going on little walks when we were like listening to music or like throwing horseshoes or doing whatever he would just like disappear so then it would be time for us to do something to eat or to start the big cornhole tournament that we do and we would all weekend it was like where's pat where's pat 
<clears throat> so you know how like Apple will make like the little like um not emoji like av- avatar of your like type. There you yeah. go. They he sends like things to the family with that little avatar and it looks exactly like him <laughs> so they put that avatar's head on there and then it said where's pat that was the name of the trip that was the name of that trip was where's pat so what it is is that they name the trip for at the <clears throat> end of the trip and then the next year going in at the opening ceremonies yep we do have opening ceremonies <laughs> the opening ceremonies everybody gets a sticker that one of the guys makes and you add it to your yeti cup yeah so, so everybody has that cup we have a logo for the, the trip they have hats <laughs> yeah because i have some friends that that go to this that work for united Rentals, so they have a really big marketing team so kind of like offhand uh went to a guy and was like hey would you be able to design us a logo and he did so we have those and then we have a sticker for every year that you go for the previous year um and then now we have like milestones we have like your fifth trip like this year we all got like the 10 the 10 year for the people that have been here for 10, you know. Cuz and bringing people in as a vote. Like it's a thing mm-hmm. like to bring another person on is like you talk about like who they and, are. And some and... people have been voted off the island. They have. They've been <laughs> shitty. Yeah. So it's Don't... like cuz the whole and that's you know I feel like this is something that's not super talked about but like male companionship is important and uh like friendship and that's the thing is like no, that trip isn't about getting up to like craziness. That trip is about us like hanging out and talking about our problems and stuff. You know what I mean? So um, when you bring in somebody that just doesn't vibe or doesn't do well, it kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, and then what's funny is we've actually had a lot of one offs that we've been trying to get back that just can't line up their schedule. Like I had a, I had a friend that came one year and every year since that was so long ago and every year since they're like hey is so-and-so showing up and i'm like nah. yeah so um and then tim and i do the food for it like obviously tim cooks it there but i like do the prepping so that's like our our thing is that it's always that tim does the food and so it's a big thing on our end because it's like you're doing the stuff for so last week was a very hectic week doing working for both of us and then uh podcast and then also <laughs> prepping for this trip all of this food so and for them, it works out because they literally pay like 40 bucks for like four really good, well-planned out meals and they don't have to worry about it. You know yep. what I mean? So it ends up being enough to pay us for that. And then they get to go camping and have cool food. Yep. Alrighty. So today's episode is titled Duggers in the Sky. And it Keep prom- on turning. It premiered on December 22nd of 2009, and the Duggars are headed home from the Bates, but on their way, they're making a stop in Nashville to go to a hockey game, and they're meeting up with Steve Shearsby, an editor for their show who lives in Nashville that they'd only met once before when they previously were um, at the Bates. Okay. So Steve says he spends, quote, hours and hours and hours cutting them, splicing them, making sense out of them. Quite the job when we get to some <laughs> dugger splaining, you know. Um, making them look really, really great. <laughs> Later, he also adds, quote, I see them picking their nose and, you know, sucking chicken bones and doing their diets and doing all the stuff they do. And they don't know that I'm kind of observing them so closely. <laughs> and I do think that that's kind of weird to think about, weirder at least to think about, and process compared to like the final cut. Yeah. Because you see the final cut. And even then you might still be watching it and being like, 
cringe watching yourself mm-hmm. but think of all the cringe not included like yeesh like oh, that's yeah. something that i'm like that would bother <laughs> me way more when you stop and think about it like <laughs> all the stuff that doesn't make the air like, yeah like what am i doing that they're seeing that would bother me <laughs> so the duggars show up and lego of course is sporting his cell phone belt clip yep which i think this is the last time we cover this square um <laughs> i don't I don't think this should be on the next board. That's my. I, it's in every episode. Yeah, so yeah. I think that I think that this is the end of an era right here. It's gotten me three bingos, so. Which is exactly why it won't be on. Which is the, see, you know. yep. But I do think it's played out. Here because, we go, commissioner changing the rules in your no, favor. But I do think it's a bit played out because it was in like every episode. So I feel like for next season, it's time to move on but so wow take a moment and think about how that was the last time you covered that square think about those three relish in it bingos pickle relish in it um and we'll discuss bingo boards going forward like next week but that was just a just wanted you to take this moment in so lego is introducing steve to the family and says how he knows them all really well from the footage uh you know all the footage of them Mm -hmm. and then jim bob points to jed Jed Jed, the OJ, the OJ, and asks him, "Who's this?" To which Steve replies, "That's one of those guys beginning with J." See, even he can't he, keep the he's Lost just Boys. Like you too. Yep. You watch them every single fucking week, and he still can't keep Jessa and Ginger fucking straight. Like <laughs> Tim writes all of the episode descriptions, and he'll like post like when it was Jessa's birthday, what two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. He had written Ginger, and I had to go in and edit it when I saw it. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, he still can't get it straight. And I'm like, it's Jessa's birthday. They all look the same to me. I don't think they do. Well, I th- I don't think Jessa and Ginger do. Like, I, I don't think they're that hard to distinguish. But That's what the joke was. Getting it. <laughs> but really, you really do? Like, why yeah. why is it that you can't like, it's keep the, straight? Like the Lost Boys, I can't. Yeah, I know. I but really what can't. is it with Jessa and Ginger specifically that's... Uh, they're fair-skinned girls with curly, crunchy hair. Like, it's just in the moment that I'm like, no. Like, I, I, lo- I have to look at, like, I have to look at, like, their lower jaw in order to be like, okay, I know which one I'm looking at. Interesting. <clears throat> I get the Lost Boys thing. I really do. So, they get into the hockey game, and Jill specifically comments that they were, um, there were floods and floods of people coming mm-hmm. in at the same time as them. Quote, even though we were late. Yep, Dugger time. Dugger time. See, and this is like one of those things that like, and like I said, we'll have a whole discussion on bingo boards. But it, like that's one I could stand to keep. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll talk about that. So I've <laughs> rap- never gotten a bingo off of it. So I'm assuming that you're okay with I, it. No, I'm just talking about things that like got played out, you know, mm-hmm. versus things that were like, well, that's, a, you know. So we get another rapid fire square because John David speaks. Yep. And he's actually talking to Steve about how he's never watched hockey, but that they play broom ball. <laughs> and Steve is like, oh, it's like a cousin to hockey. <laughs> so now the family is taking pictures with the mascot and our girl Johanna is losing her shit. Mm-hmm. Usually it's just Jennifer, but Jill says... I think all of our little kids, but especially recently, Jennifer and Johanna have been totally afraid of any kind of mascot. Anybody, for that matter, dressed up in a costume where you cannot see their face. Um, And I add that to their list of reasons why they probably think Halloween is bad. They're like, 
the costumes, you know. So Jill continues, anything that's like overpowering compared to her little size for Jennifer, she would just lose it. And they show a montage of Jennifer's past moments mm-hmm. of terror. Yep. But they did exclude the scariest of them all. Lego and Lego his, hair with and the beard. beard. Yeah, they, they excluded <laughs> that one. Um, and then Jill says, she's very uh, nice about saying bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> they they just show like the the clips yep. of her like waving bye. Yep. <laughs> get the fuck. Out. That's her being like, get the fuck out of here, kindly, yep. kindly fuck off. Yep. So now is where the Duggars go um go down for Lego and Cannon to ride the the Zamboni. Did you know that that's a brand, not, not like the actual piece of equipment? I did not. Yeah. So it's an ice. It's an ice leveler. Oh. And then Zamboni is the is a really widely used brand. So uh, Lego and Cannon get to ride the the Zamboni, mm-hmm. and some of the boys play games out on the ice. Nothing mm-hmm. really noteworthy though. It's just whatever. So most of the kids um, are actually they're not actually paying attention to the game, no. and that's not abnormal or surprising. Yeah, you get it. But I want to highlight a snarky kind of sassy exchange between Jason and the OJ and a talking head. <laughs> Sassafras. <laughs> so Jed says, my favorite part was actually watching, uh, and then Jason is making a fucking face while he talks and gives him epic side eye. And he says, uh, what? I'm like, damn. And... Then Jed shrugs his shoulders and says, I don't know. And Jason throws down, I liked to watch the hockey game. I really like hockey and broomball and basketball and football. And Jed is trying to save himself from this smackdown from Jason. (laughs) And he says, actually, I do like hockey just a little bit, but it's not my favorite. And Jason, (laughs) I don't know. There's just something about the way that. Jason just like called his ass out. He's like, watch, watch what, huh? Like, you know what I mean? He's like, watch what? Not hockey. That's not what you're watching, but I am. Like, it was so like. It was what? brothers what? being brothers. What? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I was just like, damn. But I enjoyed it. Um, now they're back at Legoland. And if we didn't already have a Duggar Times Square, we could get one here. Mm hmm. Because they're pretty much calling out the Duggars for not having set their clocks yep. of daylight savings time a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The ultimate Duggar time, if you will. <laughs> Soundman Jim threw some shade saying, the rest of us converted to standard time. <laughs> so the house is just covered in shit everywhere from unpacking the bus and mm-hmm. girls and grandma are going to be busy for a week catching up on laundry. Kind of kidding. So... Now, um, they've hired a helicopter to come so that they can get some aerial shots of Legoland for the show. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, this is a really crew-heavy episode. We see yeah. a lot of the crew that we normally, you know, we see like Soundman Jim and we see some of Scott and things, people like that. Mm-hmm. But a lot more people are kind of highlighted that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And But the part that I really want to focus on is that this is the first time that we are int- introduced to Frank. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit of the folklore of Frank's son. Okay. Which Frank's son is a great name, by the way. <laughs> it's a good name. And he's a cutie. He's very cute. And so there's there's fan fiction surrounding oh God. Frank's son. 
so Frank was with the show for a while and mm-hmm. he took shots when they um go to Asia or like whatever. So he took shots of the girls like in their geisha mm-hmm. um outfits and stuff and on his like Tumblr back in the day, he did one really close up shot of Jana. Mm-hmm. And so then it turned into this whole thing. And I forget like which came first, but then it turned into this whole, there was a rumor that there was a cameraman that Jana liked and got too close to. So they got rid of him and everybody was like, it was Frank. Oh I mean, it's God. this whole fucking thing. Okay. And so then everybody, uh, what, what were people calling it? Frana, you know, like Benifer <laughs> and like whatever, like people were calling it like Frana. It was a whole fucking thing. And it's to- like, there's literally nothing to back it up. besides Other than like, one picture yeah. on a Tumblr but from But he also put up picture like at different points, like on his social media he had a picture of jessa it's like but that one of jana is just really good like it's a great artistic shot you know (laughs) um but it turned into this whole fucking thing where everybody's shipping frana you know and uh it's just been this and i don't even know where the the whole like oh yeah they got five like jim bob made someone go uh cameraman go away i don't even know where that stemmed from i'm like someone just had to (laughs) hold that out of their ass i'm not really sure all right good to know now i'm going to be watching frank's son for but even more interesting is when Jana, oh my God, I said Jana, when um, Jill, oh, hmm. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Tim loved that. He Doesn't just took a victory. Like, no, he like just, what their names are. He just took a fucking victory sip of his <laughs> Damn coffee. Damn right I did. <laughs> he was like, Out of a jack-o'-lantern <laughs> coffee mug. <laughs> he victory sipped this bitch. Sorry. So um, Jill and Derek, when they were out doing um, press for their book, mm-hmm. I, I believe it's when they were in New York, but I could be wrong. But she posted on her social media, like, she met up with Frank. They met up with Frank. Oh. So it's like, yeah. So it's like, it's nice that there, there's still, like, a little bit of a friendship there. and The um, the almost potential brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of funny to see him just, like, pop back. And you're like, it's Frank. Everybody wow. was like, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Any hoozle. So that's the, the folklore, the urban legend of Frana. Of Frana. Yeah. Wow. So he's cute, though. Like, in got great cheek he's got great bone structure i love his his wild hair he he's wearing the little um yeah. blazer like he's got like that funky yeah. he like, had that era of like like i work in a in a position where i'm showing you that i'm semi-professional but i'm also like personalized you yeah. know what i mean so jill talks about how the crew is family and that they miss them when they're gone which you know if jana and Frank or tr- or, or a thing. I can. <laughs> this is why he would send him away. Exactly. And then Soundman Bill says, "Quote: Love working with the Duggars. They're endlessly entertaining." To which Frank, who's sitting next to him, chimes in with, "That's for sure." <laughs> and then we are graced with a wonderful impression of Lego hair <laughs> from Frank, yeah. saying he like sits forward and he because the other guy's like, "Do your impression," and so he like sits <laughs> forward in the chair and he goes, "Hey guys." We got a special surprise for you. And you put like both his hands out. Yeah, like outstretched as far as they'll go, just like, just like Jim Bob does, and does like the light shake up and down, yep. which is really funny because I was just doing that earlier this week to you. Mm-hmm. We were talking about something else, and then I was like, I'm gonna, and then I started doing Jim Bob yep. hands, and I was like, like Jim Bob does. <laughs> so it was just funny that in the same week it was like, it's look, so Frank's funny. doing it. <laughs> So back to the whole helicopter deal. They're trying to decide who's going to go up in the helicopter for the shots, Scott or Frank. And it's like, um, oh, like Scott's done it before a bunch of times Mm because, you know, it's further along in his career. Frank hasn't. And then Bill says, the relationship between Scott and Frank, 
Well, Scott is so old and Frank is so young. So, I mean, they can barely even communicate. They're like talking two different languages. <laughs> so, Frank ends up going, being the one to go up. And he says that Scott kind of scared him by saying, I'm not going up because I've got a family. I've got responsibilities. <laughs> Just kind of like teasing him and trying yeah. to like get him more nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Frank is the one that does it. Everything goes fine. Mm-hmm. And then after they get the shots that they need, they let the Duggars take turns going up in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, in the initial scenes, there's not a ton to report on. I get to I don't, like the first couple. I don't really have much. But um, as Lego hair gets out of the helicopter, because he's one of the first, he says, that was great, Michelle. I want to buy a helicopter. And he gives her a tight lip lock as one does and then um while so then there's a one ride where it's josiah jason and artist jed Mm -hmm. and josiah is in like the co-pilot seat and jason and artist jed are in the back Mm -hmm. jason is fucking chatty Yep. Like he won't he won't shut the fuck up. And, and I can't tell if he's excited or nervous. Yeah, he's just the mouth is running Motor constantly. Mouth, yep. And you know how you have to wear the little the the headset. headsets to be able to hear each other. So they're probably like, dear God, this kid won't shut up. <laughs> and he keeps saying, Josiah is wheezy, wheezy, wheezy. And then the pilot is like, Are you? to Josiah, and he's like, No. <laughs> like, yep. And later Jason does it again, calling mm-hmm. him wheezy. Wheezy, wheezy. Yeah. And Josiah finally says, Actually, I'm not getting wheezy. I'm just getting kind of annoyed. <laughs> to which Jason just says, Oh. <laughs> but it was kind of funny for him, like, to, you could tell he's like, Shut the fuck up. Yep. Like, There's a lot of brothers' moments in yep. this episode. And the beef oof, <laughs> between Jason and the OJ continues <laughs> in the talking head. Earlier, it was about hockey, but honestly, I mean, that was nothing compared to this next thing. It gets worse. Yep. They ask if they had fun with the helicopter at the house, and both Jason and, you know, OJ shake their heads, yes. Mm-hmm. But Jed says, yeah. And Jason fucking turns to him and said, don't always say yeah. <laughs> with, like, the fucking attitude. Yep. <laughs> and Jed says, because we do. And Jason says, I know, but don't always say yeah. <laughs> and then Jason smiles and says, we had a fun time. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's And I cannot believe I'm about to say this, but I, I felt a little bit bad for Jed in that moment. <laughs> he looks a little defeated and he just says, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, Jason has a bone to pick with Jed. Yeah, there was a thing I, going on. Like, damn. There was a whole thing. <laughs> And I mean, maybe Jason knows that um, Jed is a smarmy asshat mm-hmm. and doesn't like him just like the rest of us. Maybe <laughs> he knew it back then, you know. Um, so like in the moment, just like watching Jed as like a kid, I'm like, I kind of feel a little bit bad for you. But then I, like for Jed now, like I couldn't give a fuck. I'm just like, right. whatever, fuck you. But uh, yeah, there was definite like he was like, don't. <laughs> he yeah, was, was on some... him this whole talking. Mm-hmm. There's something there. Yep. It's not a square, but I did want to point out, because we know we want to do it on the next one. Did you see Michelle giving the pushing thumbs up? Hard. She was. She pushed those things. She worked those elbows. She did. There was mm-hmm. some serious push behind that. So 
If it were season four, we would have another <laughs> bingo square right now. Um, and then Jamesy Bug um, might be out here proving those animal stories. 100%. To be a bit more believable with this yep. next one. When he and Josiah are asked what, what the world looks like from up there, James says, the same. And Josiah says, you get a bird's eye view, to which James E. Bug says, and you can shoot birds from up in the air instead of having to go down and shoot birds. Josiah sits yep. silent for like a second and then tries to save it by saying, mm -hmm. it's cool and you really go fast and James Look E. Bug cuts him off again. To throw in, you can shoot deers too, with a big ass smiles on his, like yep. this big smile on his face. Yep. All I'm saying is, <laughs> this certainly did not help, uh, in no. the case against him, like having a thing with animals. No, not at all. Like has been claimed, like this did not, not help. <laughs> in any way on in his favor of like no oh, no i don't man. fuck with animals like yeah something he was a little gleeful and it's the way that he brought up shooting animals when they're talking about like a helicopter ride yeah I was like this doesn't mm -hmm. even like it's a really odd connection to make if that's just not like blatantly on your mind you're just like shoot now yeah because <laughs> i'm like what is he thinking just like being up in a helicopter with a gun and just like yeah we can shoot birds from up here <laughs> And deer too. And deer. It was really weird. Oh man. Yeah. That's all I got. It was a it was a weird filler episode. For a there... season ender, it was a weird episode. Yeah. But there's a couple things I had throughout it. One of them was when they flipped it around and were talking to the cameraman, there was a talking head of Frank and Jill was asking the questions. Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was it was probably fun for her to be like flip the script and you know Wild. so that was yeah so that was kind of fun um going back to like Jill and how we find her endearing she was talking about how a bunch of the kids get motion sickness um so that, that they had to you know take pills or do whatever but it was like getting everybody ready because a bunch of them get get sick on airplanes and stuff so it was her and she was like yeah i was just worried that we if we didn't you know get prepared for it the kids were gonna and she like stops and you can tell she's trying to find probably words that are a little bit uh less descriptive but she's like we probably would have lost our breakfast and then she like moved on really <laughs> yeah. fast but you can yeah. tell she was like okay how, how do, do i, I say, say that they're gonna yak Every, you know yeah <laughs> breakfast <laughs> <laughs> so good to know about frana yeah i think that's hilarious yeah because poor i mean cinder Jana gets no play on this tv show no. let's be real like she you we've seen her say stuff like twice and one of them was the fucking weight watchers episode I you know. know what i mean i like again i keep saying we'll talk about this but we will next week when we have our state of the pod mm -hmm. um i feel like we'll talk about things more in depth but i'm in favor see how you feel of just switching john um J john david or joe speaks to Jana speaks okay that's that's kind of what i have in mind but we'll, we'll talk mm. about it. we'll talk about it. i there's serious business to discuss about this so <laughs> but yeah Salty. Jana Jana doesn't poor girl yeah you know what so it's like you know what let her have a crush on a on a young asian cameraman 
I hope that she like was lapping up that eye candy every day. You know what I mean? I hope that like good for her. Like that she wasn't staring at his countenance. Yeah. Like I hope that she (laughs) looked him up and down. Like like in the cartoons where you're like a like a pork chop or something. Like you know what I mean? Like I hope that she That she saw a giant pickle. <laughs> yeah. I know, like in the cartoons, yeah, he would turn yeah. into a pickle. Oh, and yeah. we've seen what she can do with the pickle. Remember that episode on the road trip? So instead of instead of pickle Rick, he'd be like, I'm pickle Frank. Yep. He oh yeah. She she would lap that that pickle up. <laughs> She'd make relish out of him. Oh, she would. <laughs> Oh, poor Cinder Jana. I know. All right. Well, that was that's it. That's the end of the season. Yep. Wild end. Yep. That's that's it. No big, no big to do. Just that's it. (laughs) Just just that's it. You're absolutely correct. So even though this is just the second half, it feels like an entirely new episode (laughs) because normally we record days back to back. Mm-hmm. So we recorded the day before Halloween, took yesterday off. So this is pushed a little bit. We did the announcement on Instagram today. <laughs> so we took yesterday to enjoy um, handing out candy to trick-or-treaters. So it's, The six times we opened our door. You know, okay. So you have to understand. So how many, wait, our, our anniversary is in a couple of days. How many, wait, how many years have we been married? 12? 12. Mm-hmm. 12 years married, probably, what, 14 years together? Out of the 14 of those holidays, of each holiday, Mm -hmm. there's only a handful that we actually get to spend together. Yeah. So it's not often that Tim has been with me for Halloween. He got home at a decent time, and we were like, okay, we're going to hand out candy. Mm -hmm. And we got, like, maybe 20 kids. Yeah. Last year, we did it, too, and it was rough. Like, I was scrambling to make it home. But I was like, nope, we're going to do this. So it's like we put a movie on. I put on a festive shirt. And we were we were like ready to go, and we got more kids last year. Definitely more kids last year, to the point where like we were running out and like grabbing other stuff. Mm-hmm. But this year, I was all prepared, and twenty kids maybe. Yeah. But and oh, but I also so we're sitting there watching. We watched um, it's Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, mm-hmm. and we watched um, part Simpsons. of the Psycho from 98 yeah i was trying to show him that it's literally like word for word shot for shot just so i made him watch just a little bit of it and we watched a lot of simpsons episodes yep a couple treehouse of horrors but like we had the window open and we'd be watching and then i'd like pause it and i'd be like oh, i hear that because we could hear like mm-hmm. them scuffling down like the sidewalk so we were like eager beaver for like these yep. kids to show up and we barely got any and also i realized him i okay so the the whole precious cargo moment I think that unleashed something where now I'm having more moments like it and un- it unlocked something where oh, now wow. I'm having more moments of like, oh, like seeing what other people see. I thought a lot about today about how when kids would when I'd hear something, I would like jump up and say, we've got customers. And um, oh, wow, you are turning into your mother. You didn't notice. Oh, you didn't? Like, because oh. we were getting See, I was up. thinking, I was like, oh, man, this poor man, he just, this is what he deals with day in and day out. I didn't realize that you didn't notice. I should have said nothing. I thought you knew. <laughs> uh, I really am, Tori. Oh, my, mo- my mother's just kind of like your, like, quintessential, like, corny old lady. Yeah. I think I am turning into her. You're like the commercials. You're like the young homeowners turned into their parents. You're those people. Yeah. And I used to think I straddled lines, but now I think I may be a dweeb. Not no more. 
I think I'm just there, you know? <laughs> so, anywho, so that was how we still enjoyed it. We had a nice night. Mm-hmm. Spent it together. It was fun. Mildred was all tuckered out because yesterday, if you're not on the gram, we uh, posted our Halloween costumes this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were Lego hair and baby cannon. Mm-hmm. This year, we were early side characters. <laughs> so, Tim was. Jeffrey Knight. Tantric dancer. Waiter and tantric dancer. Mm-hmm. I was Jabaloon Man. Ooh, early favorite. And Mildred was the chicken <laughs> that was being chased by Lego hair that we've been trying to get on the pod since episode seven. Still can't get a hold of him. Mildred, though, I gotta say, man, so everything was a big rush. So Tim got back from Man Trip and I was like all right, we were like unpacking coolers and we're just trying to like do all the mm-hmm. shit. And it's like, he's getting in the shower because like well, then we got to take these pictures. It was our one shot because of his can't work lose, schedule. Can't lose can't light. Can't lose people. light. Like I'm like, we got to make this fucking happen. Yeah. So we're rushing to get our pictures taken, but I still needed to take a picture of Mildred. So I'm like, I have to do it the day of. I'm like, this is going to be a fucking disaster because you're at work. So I'm like, She's I have to do this She's a squirrely alone. one when you try to pick her up and like, even when we put like her normal collars on, she like squirms a lot. I don't fucking understand it. Putting the fucking chicken on her was easier than putting her collar back on. So I took <laughs> off her collar. Putting her in the chicken went pretty well. Better than I, I I couldn't have imagined it would go that well. Getting an actual good picture, another story. But she she handled it well. Later on when I took it off and then tried to put her collar back on, fucking fiasco. And I'm like, why is that? <laughs> harder like why was it easier to put on the fucking chicken costume than it was to put yeah. on a fucking collar a breakaway collar <laughs> it's not like i'm sitting there buckling yeah. yeah she runs away she gets squirmy and then she runs away and we're like what are you running away from yeah i don't know i don't get it but the um costumes are posted anybody who hasn't seen it if you want to see they're so real good that was this year's theme was side characters yep All right, are we ready to actually get into the episode? Get your shovels. All right, so it's the final dig of season three. And in honor of that sort of milestone, I let our pickle people choose the topic this Mm -hmm. week. And they chose the satanic panic. It's a big one. Felt fitting because we've referenced it so many times in other digs where we're like, and this was around the time of the satanic panic, so take that into account. Mm -hmm. So it seems, Turmoil in the toy box. Yes. Yeah. Um, just seemed appropriate. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what comes to mind for you, Tim, but when I think of the Satanic Panic, I just kind of think of it as a whole, like an era in terms of like societal climate mm-hmm. more than I do like particular events. Okay. I don't know what you think, but um, just kind of like the overall hysteria of the time. But today we're going to focus on what actually kicked this whole thing off. And caused it to spread. And that was the release of the book, Michelle Remembers. <laughs> co-authored by Michelle Smith and Dr. Lawrence Pazder, which released November 1st, 1980. Okay. Oddly enough, as we sit here recording today, it's November 1st. <laughs> Not planned at all, but kind of funny. Happy Satanversary. Yeah. So 43 years ago to this very day. Wow. Look at how that happens here. It's funny. Things line up on this pod It's really weird. So the book had several different covers over the years. And here are just a few of the taglines on the front. Oh, I'm so ready. The true story of a year-long contest between innocence and 
evil. Ooh. Another was the shocking true story of the ultimate evil, a child's possession by the devil. And finally, who won the battle of good and evil in the mind and body of an innocent child? I should have never worn pearls. I'm clutching them. And here's a little more for you. Uh, The description on the back reads, Michelle remembers is the true story of a woman who, as a child, was delivered into the hands of the Antichrist, the ancient and infamous Church of Satan. Now, with the aid of Dr. Lawrence Pazder, Michelle relives the incredible and terrifying ordeal which she suffered at the hands of a group of Satanists. Okay. An ordeal which turned into an extraordinary battle between innocence and evil for the soul and body of a five-year-old child. Wow. So that gives you a vibe of what we're working with. (laughs) But before we dig into the contents of the book, first we have to take it back a little bit. Okay. So in 1973, Michelle Smith began seeing psychiatrist Dr. Lawrence Pazder. And after four years of therapy, she stopped seeing him like they thought they were done. Okay. Then Michelle found herself suffering from depression after a miscarriage. And this is where um, the book begins, by the way, the, the opener. So Dr. Pazder had actually come to the hospital to visit her. And she told him about a vivid and terrifying dream she had where she scratched an itchy spot on her hand and then tons of spiders came crawling out. Dr. Pazder was convinced that the dream had deeper meaning and that she needed to start seeing him again. Wow. Okay. In this first session after resuming, Michelle tells him this. There's still something bothering me. I still feel blocked. We talk about the things I think are the problems. And then I go home and I spend half the night wishing I could. I know there's something I want to tell you, but I don't know what it is. I sit up at night wishing I could write you a letter. I actually tried to write the letter to put it down on paper. I could write so hard that my pencil would rip the paper. But then I look at what I've written and there's nothing there. Just slash marks with the pencil. The drama. Wow. Yeah. This is... I'm at the edge of my seat. But I'll be referring back to that kind of like later on. Okay. So this is sort of baffling to Dr. Pazder. As he felt that their previous years and sessions together had been pretty intensive and complete. Okay. Like, according to what they had talked about previously, he just couldn't really fathom what more could be there that would be nagging at her like this. Okay. After a few sessions back of not getting really too far into things, um, like anything, like nothing was coming up. Just that she's like, there's something there. It's like, all right. Okay. Suddenly, one day, Michelle says, um, a form of pressure has lifted and she's ready now. And then it begins. Oh, man. For the next 14 months, totaling over 600 hours. Damn. With some individual sessions as long as six to eight hours. Like, that's kind of like the typical. Right. Michelle goes into what most would consider hypnotherapy. But Michelle and Dr. Pazder say it's beyond hypnosis. Deeper, they say. And at points in the book, they refer to it as being in the depths. Okay. During that first session that really kicked this all off, Larry, I'm just going to say that from here on out. It's much (laughs) easier than saying Dr. Pazder over and over. Oh, God. Larry. He said that he realized that Michelle was speaking as a five-year-old child. 
in that first session and many to come she would just scream for long periods of time up to like 20 25 minutes just screaming that sounds exhausting yep so the book is basically a summary of those 14 months of sessions as michelle recovered memories of her life as a five-year-old child okay and dear god (laughs) the book was a fucking tedious read like (laughs) Because so much of it is word for word from... Because he recorded their sessions. Oh, okay. So because it's like word for word, it's fucking painful to read. Yeah. Like, let me give you an example. Oh, God, I hurt. Dot, dot, dot. I'm hurting. Dot, dot, dot. I'm going to stop saying dot, dot, dot. But I just want wanted to paint the picture of what it's like. Okay. I'm hurting. He's hurting me all over. And, and there's something really scaring me. His eyes are scaring me. I can't stand them. They look crazy. No. Take them away. He's hurting my arms. Ow. Ow. He's throwing me upside down fast. It's hurting my arms. I want to run away. He's grabbing me tight. I can't get away. No. I can't breathe. He's got me by the throat with one hand. Help. And how how much of the book was that? Oh, the majority (laughs) oh no so misery loves company you know they say i'd say it's like 50 50 like okay you know maybe 60 40 um with 40 being like that but you know uh misery loves company so i'm gonna subject y'all to just like one more example if i had to sit through this (laughs) i just want you guys to get a feel for why like i posted on our stories i'm like that was fucking painful i want you guys to understand what i feel for the sacrifice that you made for this content yes it was black, and I could see my teddy bear, dot, dot, dot. First, he was really far away, dot, dot, dot. I'll start. I'll, I'll stop with the dot, dot, dots, but that's how it is. Down. He was in a tunnel. I could see him coming closer. And then the closer the bear got, the more I floated. I loved the bear so much. I wanted to become the bear. I wanted to crawl inside with him and be safe. Oh, my arms hurt. She talks about her arms a lot. Um, I feel numb. There was nothing left of me, just my head. No body. I was all gone except my eyes, and my mouth was gone, and my nose was gone, and my eyes and my ears were left. Ah, all that was left of my insides was a a tiny warm spot. That's all I was. Okay. Man. I hated it. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like the worst thing you've consumed for this podcast. fucking painful. And at certain points, I was like, just jump ship. Read a fucking summary (laughs) of it somewhere. But I don't, nope, I I wouldn't let myself, like, I seriously wow. considered it, like, three times. I was like, I don't know if I can fucking do this. <laughs> um, but I was like, I want to see this through, because I do like to do my own research and not base it off of somebody else's. I respect that. Like, summary, you know? Yeah. So, good God. I mean, but if there was any time that I was not going to do it, this would have been the time, <laughs> but I, I stuck it through. So in summary, read a fucking summary. Wow. Um, don't read this book. You're not missing out on anything. Okay. It's just so many pages to extract, like, so little out of it comparatively. Okay. And even though things, I guess, could be interesting, I guess, they are presented in such a god-awful way. You can't get into it. Okay. You know? Um, my notes thousand times more riveting than the actual fucking book <laughs> and it's and it's not about agreeing or disagreeing i mean we know i disagree with most of what i yeah talk about here on the podcast and research but this just wasn't like i said it wasn't even ent- like presented in an interesting way it, it was fucking grading 
Because I, I'm sure for them, they think using the word-for-word language of her as a five-year-old makes it come off more sincere and, like, right. factual. But it's actually what makes the book fucking awful and so <laughs> tedious. Oh, Terrible. <laughs> I agree with you in the fact that it feels like, like you said, they're trying to gain credibility. And the people credibility. that are... Con- credibility. How did you say that without saying that? <laughs> I don't know how you did that. If anybody else watches Ghost Adventures, how do you say credibility without saying credibility? We just watched... One of the things we watched was the cartoon Lonesome Ghost, where Mickey, Donald, and Goofy have a ghost exterminating service. And the ghosts in this house call them to get them there because they're like, haha, we're going to scare them. And there's a point where like they walk in and they get messed with at one point. And I looked at Winnie and I was like... They don't have credibility. Credibility. We, I was trying to say it in the voice and then. Credibility. And we also say <laughs> there are things, you know, the part where he goes, there are things in this world we may never understand. So I always go, understand. understand. So there's like a couple words we can't ever say the same way. Anyways, I'm sorry I interrupted. I just don't know how you said credibility without fucking losing it. <laughs> Willpower. Losing it. Okay. Anyways, um, gives it credi- credibility. Like you said, people that are reading this book that are terrified by the same thing have a a, like a confirmation bias where all of this is terrifying already and for you you were reading it with a very neutral mindset and then very quickly was like are you kidding me right now it was was fucking awful (laughs) don't read it and it costs like a million dollars to buy because oh my gosh it's considered like a cult like, <laughs> classic. <laughs> that's, no pun. That's pretty funny. Yeah. That's pretty good. All right. So now I'm going to give you the gist of the book. Ooh, thank you. Cliff's notes. <laughs> Wits notes. <laughs> that's pretty good. So Michelle is being used in satanic rituals as a child, offered up to a group of Satanists by her mother. But she doesn't just come out and say that. She just starts telling these stories of memories she has. Okay. Starting in the beginning and working her way through this, like, roughly year-long period of her life. And, I don't know, somehow remembering this on perfect order and in vivid <laughs> detail, but, you know. But in the beginning, she says her mom doesn't seem to be a part of it, just kind of there for it. And then over time, she realizes that her mom is a part of it. Okay. And it's like, I roll, I roll worthy <laughs> how far into the book it is as she's describing these rituals and then Larry finally suggests that they might be Satanists and she's like what? Oh my goodness. Satanists? (laughs) Really? (laughs) And but here's her exact response actually. It was my god you mean like Satanists? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Really? (laughs) What? So the first ritual she recounts gives us the rundown of who is in charge. Ooh. A guy named Malachi. And that's when things perked up for me a bit. Because Tim knows. I welcome any and all excuses to say Malachi. Malachi. <laughs> if I watch Children of the Corn, you best believe you've got a good like three, four months ahead of you of me just randomly saying Malachi. Malachi. <laughs> I was we, like, oh, thank God. The best part was when we were watching Children of the Corn when he had never seen it. And she was like... This was years ago, yeah. <laughs> she was like, this movie's kind of lame. I'm like, it is. It is a lame-ass movie. Like, But i that's where I 
yeah. learned the Malachi. Malachi. Because I feel like there's a difference between like campy horror and just bad horror. And Children of the Corn is kind of bad. But somehow I still rewatch it. <laughs> I don't know. I just do. So in this first ritual, she's flipped up and around and all over the place. And she doesn't say the words anointed because remember, she's speaking as a five-year-old. Okay. But what she describes is like being anointed with something sticky and gross smelling. Okay. And then they have colorful sticks that they drop on the ground and then use the sticks to put in her rectum, nose, ears, except, et cetera. Okay. All of her orifices. Okay. She also goes into detail about finally getting to see her mom in another room and um, there being what she repeatedly refers to as a lump under her mom's skirt. Okay. Michelle hits this lump with a bottle, and then the others in the room join in in hitting this lump, too. And later on, she notices that the lump has red shoes on. It was a woman under her mom's skirt. Okay. I'm so, like, my flabber is thoroughly (laughs) gasted right now. So she's like, oh, I recognize my mom's skirt. She wears that skirt all the time. She runs over to her mom, and then she's like, there's this lump. And then she's like, and I hit it with a bottle. Weird. So this lump, or woman, turns into a whole storyline. Okay. They take this woman back to her house. She's dead, by the way. And they dress her in Michelle's mom's clothing. Then Malachi (laughs) puts the lumpy woman in the car and Michelle in the back seat to go for a drive. He rolls the car towards a wall and then jumps out of the car, leaving just Michelle and the lump in the car for the big crash. Okay. The car catches fire, and the firemen have to pull Michelle out, and she overhears Malachi telling the the authorities that he crashed because Michelle covered his eyes from the back seat. Michelle is hospitalized for injuries and smoke inhalation. Okay. Obviously, the point of this crash was to have a cause for the woman's death to conceal what really happened to her. Mm -hmm. This story picks up again later down the road when she recalls a night where they made her eat something foul smelling that she's just like said, like they never tell her this, but she's like, I knew that it had the woman's ashes in it. She said it was an ooze type substance. And that she wouldn't swallow it, but they thought that she had. Okay. So that same night, they also took her to a local cemetery and pushed her into a coffin and closed it up and left her for a while, I guess. Because cemeteries just have open Open coffins coffins. laying everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, makes sense. Cool. I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, yeah, like they like as it as happens. Right. Oh, yeah. As one does when you go to a cemetery. Yeah. They eventually let her out and then strip her naked before handing her off to a woman in the group who then holds her like a baby in her arms. How many lumps were under her dress? (laughs) I know, right? I need the lump count now. (laughs) The woman then has Michelle crawl out from between her legs, seemingly an indication of a birthing or rebirthing type ceremony, because then this woman tells her that she's her child. Okay. Michelle's mother is actually at the ritual, too, and Michelle said, quote, She said I wasn't her baby anymore. I promised her I'd be really good. I'd clean house. I'd do anything if she didn't get rid of me. I wouldn't talk about her lump. (laughs) Um, She told me I wasn't hers. I didn't know what she meant, and she told me, she told me 
like she was telling me the weather. She told me she never wanted me. She said she never wanted me and how I had to be happy about the way things were. So there's another story about a woman in the group who seems to be the one who runs things besides Malachi. She refers to her as the nurse because she first mentions her while she was staying in the hospital after the accident for the smoke inhalation. Okay. She talks about her, about her as if she actually worked at the hospital, but then was also a member of the group. So hence the nickname. There's a real Rosemary's baby going on. Oh, I'm glad you say that. It's it's deep right now. <laughs> so the nurse one day tells Michelle that she needs to denounce God. And Michelle's like, I don't know what that means. I don't know how. And the nurse is like, well, you better learn. <laughs> so in the middle of the night. <laughs> is my is, is, my, <laughs> is it my reporting or the story? <laughs> it's a combination it's of both. The story. But you're adding a color to it that I think it doesn't think it has, but it absolutely has. <laughs> like, do you feel like there's people that were reading this and going, <gasps> Absolutely, and being, that's the problem. And being so scared. Yes, that's the problem. <laughs> How many lumps do you think the readers had? Do you think that's why they were worried? <laughs> yeah. They were, they were like, oh my God, the skirts. The, oh, man. <laughs> the red shoes. That's why I don't wear skirts. That's why, that's why I don't have any red shoes. I have lumps on shorts. <laughs> so in the middle of the night, the nurse awakens Michelle and she sees the nurse, like she wears like a cloak cape type thing. And she sees the nurse like spread that out on the floor with a bedpan placed in the middle. Then the nurse proceeds to give Michelle an enema. And then when Michelle can't hold it in anymore, the nurse positions her over the bedpan but then suddenly snatches the bedpan and cloak away and replaces it with a Bible and crucifix so that Michelle literally shits on them. Okay. All right. Okay, so we're tracking, right? Um, okay. <laughs> you know what's happening? She's shitting on stuff. Like, okay. For the moment, I'm trying to suspend my disbelief. So I'm going to, uh, for this next part, I'm just going to combine an overall theme that happens over the course of the book. Okay. But there's a lot of talk of cats. She says... <laughs> her right now during this is hilarious. She's the way she's like... Passed out on her back. With all of her little curly paws. And oh, it's so cute. We're talking about cats, Mildred. Okay. Okay, so there's a lot of cat talk. She says that during some of the rituals, the woman who would... The, the women of the group would like meow and hiss... And do what she says was like a cat dance, as she called it. Ooh, and Mildred, a cat dance. Right? And that they would lick themselves and her, which to me sounds like the girl from elementary school. <laughs> I feel like everyone had that one girl in elementary school like who did the same thing. It's a phase, you know? It'll pass. <laughs> it will pass. Apparently it doesn't. These are adults. Um, maybe these women were just late bloomers. I don't know. <laughs> but show up to any playground and you'll find some young girl digging in the sandbox meowing. <laughs> it's a phase. There was, there was always a girl that thought she was a cat and then the horse girl. The girl that yeah. was into horses. You know, it's part. Mm-hmm. It's like I feel like it's just a part of the pro- part of growing up. Yeah. It, everyone goes yeah. through a weird ass phase. So they also had um, kittens a lot and would hold them in their teeth and then tear them apart. Oh, my. At another point, they threw her in a grave again. Yawn. Tired and played <laughs> Old out. Old news. Yeah. 
Um, and they like would throw them on her, but this time that they were like dead kittens. So yes, okay. there's just a lot of kittens used in these rituals. Okay. So they had this large statue of the Prince of Darkness. So I guess Ozzy. <laughs> I was going to make that joke. <laughs> but she says that they usually you know, called him Prince of Darkness or Lucifer. It wasn't actually that often that they said like the devil or things like that. Okay. But they had this statue of him, and for 13 nights straight, they performed this same ceremony over and over, night after night. And part of it was that they wiped blood on the statue with various severed fingers. Okay. It's like, where are they getting all these fucking fingers? Kittens and fingers. Yeah. Um, on the final <laughs> night, night 13, Michelle is told that she belongs to the devil. Okay. And the weirdness continues. At yet another ritual, they have Michelle laying naked on an altar. Well, actually, first she was, they had her dressed in a red dress, but Malachi took it off. <laughs> and like he like laid on top of her. but And then when he moves, there's a dead baby between her legs that they put there. So okay. obviously this is some form of like representation of like, Acting out. Okay. Something. To me, that sounds like rape, like acting out rape, and then now there's mm. a baby coming out of her, you know, or something. I don't fucking know. Okay. Um. Oh, and I forgot to tell you that earlier, that Babylon crucifix that she shit on, mm. well, at some point, she was able to, like, steal it away when the nurse wasn't looking, and she oh. hid it under the round mattress with satin sheets in this room that they're always in. Okay. Which round bed with satin sheets makes me think of Playboy. <laughs> Makes me think Polly Bridge and Kendra's uh, <laughs> cover, but you know, they're pictorial. So after this dead baby appears, she apparently, M Michelle's feeling ballsy, you know, as five-year-olds do, you know. Or lumpy. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, she gets ballsy and she leaps up and she gets the crucifix out and she's holding it out in the air in front of her, like against, you know, like in front okay. of all of them. All right. I, I imagine it being like some sort of like, superhero cartoon where they're like Maya! <laughs> you know like like the drama and she was just like they didn't like it and it's like <laughs> yeah like i just think all that's so silly like just this idea that like you just pull out like this book or the show and they're just like <laughs> like it's just it's comical to me so this pissed off malachi and he gets her he gets her over by the baby and he grabs onto her hands, clutching the crucifix, because she was just like, because he couldn't touch it, you know. Ugh. Okay. Um. So like he he grabs onto her hands that are holding onto the crucifix, and then he raises them up, and then down, like stabbing the baby with the crucifix, like making her do it. Okay. Um. And then she says that stuff about them rubbing it all over her, which I'm assuming is like blood and stuff from the baby. But she's like, and then they rubbed it all over me. Okay. Um, now just a list of random other tortures that she claimed to suffer. They would feed her soup that had worms at the bottom of the bowl, and she wouldn't find them until, you know, like partway through. Okay. They would keep her awake and then tell her to go to sleep, and then as she was falling asleep, they'd shake her awake and then start it back all over again, telling her to go to sleep. I feel like that's my life in the food industry. <laughs> Pretty much. They kept her in a cellar for a period of time. And she was starved, so she ate some wood and drank her own urine. 
Would? Um, she would. I know. <laughs> You're doing Joey from Full House, aren't you? Yeah. Or uh, did someone say would? Would? <laughs> she was also held captive in a chicken wire cage where the floor was covered in snakes. Just snakes everywhere in what a in a wire cage. Why's it always got to be snakes? <laughs> um, they also did the sleep torture here too by poking her through the cage to keep her up. So you know, yawn <laughs> again. Um, they like to repeat stuff. Apparently, uh, they have their oldies but moldies, and yep. once again, she has a fetus rubbed all over her. Um, this time, Malachi uh, cut it in half first. So I guess oh. it was probably extra gruesome you know okay more to rub on her and there's also a point where they nail a dead baby to a crucifix uh it's like where are they getting all these fucking babies from (laughs) you know like like the basement of the the comet ping pong pizza place (laughs) or something like that like where the fuck are they getting all these babies that's the weirdest part through a lot of this is like the second you start digging through some supply chain questions, it starts to throw a lot of monkey wrenches into their into their story here. You know what I mean? Well, they address it. Oh, they, they, they address their supply chain? They do. Wow, okay. So at points throughout the book, they have little notes at the bottom of certain pages. And, and this was one of those notes. Ready? After much discussion, it became clear to Dr. Pazder and Michelle that live babies were not used in these ceremonies. They were most likely premature fetuses or stillborn babies, probably stolen from hospitals. As one does. Oh, ma- makes sense now. Got it. They yeah. just get it from the hospital. They just, yeah. You know, steal it's them. easy, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, you just steal the babies. God. Can't drive into an alley behind a hospital without seeing a bunch of those. Yep. And this next part... Well, she remembers being on a rolling metal table with a doctor and, quote, cloaked strangers assisted as the doctor approached Michelle and did something to her head. The pain was so intense, she thought she would faint, but she did not, and it continued. When he was finished, she was untied, turned over, and retied so that she had to lie flat on her stomach. She couldn't see what he was doing, but she felt a searing pain at the base of her spine. This time, she did faint. So, supposedly, her memory is blank for a little while immediately after that. But then she remember remembers, like, later being back at their ritual site room thingy that they're at a lot. And she realizes she's red and wet and that they've sewn horns to her head and a tail to the base of her spine. She rips them off and blood pours out. Okay. Quite the story. Wow. Was she like trying to get her creative writing degree? She's like, I just got, I got to get some stories in, you know. I mean, just like even like the, I was, I was red and wet. Like, it's just, it's also cartoonish, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, that's what's fascinating to me. So I'm going to skip ahead. At least in Rosemary Baby, like the devil was like, furry you know he was more of like the, <laughs> he was more of like the goat look you know yeah. like mm-hmm. I, there's just something about the literal like red like, like the halloween the, costume yeah, it's just so yeah. i don't know so i'm gonna skip ahead um here to the time that the devil himself is summoned Ooh, 
But first, I want to point out that at various times throughout these sessions, Michelle will show up with rashes, like um, in her sessions with Larry. Okay. Larry tells her that these are body memories. And at points she was like, she'd be like, oh yeah, like my body knows, remembers before my brain does. So as she's approaching the timeline of this next story, Michelle develops a rash on her neck that is progressively getting worse. Okay. Now keep this rash in mind as I read you this memory of this ritual of summoning the devil. Okay. It was all black and red like a fire, a fire in the night. And, and there was this man, but, but he was like an animal too. He's standing in the fire. He's looking out at me from the fire. Oh, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. He's shooting fire out of his fingertips. And now from his eyes, oh, dear God, he's changing shape. It's so ugly, so ugly. I just can't stand it. And he makes his tail fly around. It's a snake. No, it's coming out at me. It's wrapping around my neck. It's on fire. It burns. It burns. I want to point out. Our window's open, isn't it? No. But your rendition of this is fantastic. I was I just, to... I was terrified in that your, moment. I'll make our windows open. Your reading, your reading of it is very good. I don't know why she has to call him ugly. Like, there's no need for body <laughs> shaming. You can screw, lady. He has a tail. He's a little furry. Like, well, you know what? Yeah, there's a lot of other the things. Fuck is bad it to thing. you? There's a lot of things you could say about him that have nothing to do with his appearance. Yeah. It's not about that. Yep. Okay? Just because he can't uphold your beauty standards doesn't mean you need to call him ugly. That's very true. I'm on his side in this. <laughs> so, in the book, they show pictures of these marks and after that after this moment where she was uncovering the memory of the devil wrapping his tail around her neck, she then suddenly has a spade-shaped mark there as well. Okay. A little like the end of his tail. Because, yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. there. Just like the Halloween costume you saw at um, <laughs> a Spirit Halloween like that. Mm, okay. So later in the book, Michelle tells Larry how she went to the dermatologist about the rash, and he told her it was a contact rash. And Larry said, quote, well, he's right, of course. It is a contact rash. But how could he, we ever make him understand that the contact was made 22 years ago? And then Michelle smiled and said, or that it wasn't a plant. I contacted, but the tale of Satan. Oh, oh. And it's weird. She wasn't even wearing contacts. She was wearing glasses. <laughs> so how do, you ex- how do you explain I, that? I, I don't know. See? Yeah. So Michelle also begins speaking in a different, deeper voice. Oh, dear. Um, and reciting rhymes about the devil. So chants, I'm going to guess, you know, like chants okay. and things. And then to her as a child. Um, a man in white appears to her. Now, she never says it's Jesus because she's supposed to, because remember, she's supposed to be acting as like a naive five-year-old, right. by the way, you know, like, and also she ta- likes to like talk about how, well, I didn't grow up religious. So I feel like that's clearly supposed to somehow add to this coming across as more true because mm. it's like, she's not even supposed to know these things, but like, look at how it lines right. up, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even I wasn't even religious, you know. So our homeboy, Jesus, shows up. 
And they don't actually speak, but Michelle says that she can feel him tell her that she had that he had a mother and that she could be her mother too. Okay. So then his madre shows up. But actually, she's mamere because she speaks French to Michelle. Okay. Also of note, <laughs> earlier in the sessions, while she's laying there and doing all this, she starts speaking in French and Larry's like, do you know French? And she's like, I do not know French. Like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, mystery, you know. Oh, man. So, when you said mamere, I thought of the little shrimp from Finding Nemo. When they're asking Nemo where he's from, and he goes, I'm from the ocean. And the shrimp goes, Ooh, la mer. <laughs> this, Ooh, oh, ma mer. Ooh, ma mer. <laughs> so, ma mer is comforting her and tell her that she's always here for her, all that jazz. And Michelle says that, quote, Nobody can see her, but all the people in the black robes are really upset. Everybody's upset. They're yelling and screaming and making noises with their teeth like that. What? <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's what that's what went through my head like a like a skeleton going no, no, no. <laughs> so it's like they don't know but but it's also just like oh they didn't know she was there but they knew, but they could feel that she was there and, you know it's like the forces of good and evil i mean when i get when i get annoyed or mad that's what i do <laughs> the diamondbacks are about to lose the world series and i'm just sitting over here going <laughs> careful with your teeth that sounds alarming <laughs> my god all right, well, we're back. The Diamondbacks lost. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss. And all I have to say is... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so Mamere is in and out. Ooh, like, Mamere. In and out of the picture after that. Okay. She disappears and shows back up when she feels like, you know, I guess when she feels like it. <laughs> Went out for a pack of cigarettes. I don't know, but she's in and out. <laughs> And one of those times that she reappears, she tells Michelle that she must know who is hurting her. And Michelle shouts, I don't want to know. I don't want to. Mildred is a jingling right now. Can you hear it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you could, because I don't know what you can pick up or not, but do we need to? This caller is a very noisy bell. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Michelle's like, I don't want to. (laughs) <laughs> and Mamere tells her to shut the fuck up. Um, no, she actually says, shh, shh, it is very important. Many people do not know who he is. That is why so many people get hurt. They are afraid. Like me, Michelle said. Not really like you. <laughs> like bunnies, Michelle says. Um, so she talks about how she was desperate to keep Mamere from leaving and was saying whatever came to her mind just to keep this conversation going. Bunnies get very afraid and their noses wiggle. And and when they get sad, uh, I always thought when bunnies get sad, their ears must go down. You kind of understand why this book was tough, to say the least. I'm, I'm terrified right now. So no, I don't know what you're saying. 35 chapters of this. Cool. 35. 30 fucking five of like bunnies and their noses and ooh, ah, oh. ow, my arms. The bitch talks about her arms a lot. <laughs> my arms. Like, it's very odd. I'm like, what's with the arms? Like, I don't know. It's just, oh, God. So at a different point in the book, they seem to identify this next period of time as the Feast of the Beast. 
Ooh, I like 80- the rhyme. <laughs> yeah. An 81-day ceremony that lasted from sep- September 7th until November 27th of 1955. That is a long-ass feast. Sure. Mildred says, I'm in. <laughs> um, th- this feast of the beast takes place only once every 27 years. Wow. So it goes on and on and on. But skipping ahead one night, Satan himself... I mean, literally, it was just like, I, I, it's not worth telling you guys. It's just like, oh, and then they did this, and then they put this on me, and yeah. then they did... Th- I mean, it's just not... I'm really distilling it for you guys what I think is worth it. Going through all of that, not worth it. It doesn't sound like it. I mean, in, let's think about it. After 27 years, you hope that at least you have a feast of a beast. You yeah. Know, I, you're hungry. Yeah, yeah. So I'm skipping ahead um, where one night... Satan himself decides that he is just done with Michelle. Um, Saying, or rhyming, actually, it's taken you a long, long time, but now at last you know your crime. You never, never will belong, and this is simply because you're wrong. I cross you off and cross you out so you'll forget what you're about. And then they tell her that she belongs to her mom again. They're done with her. Wow. She washed out, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what's more terrifying the the rash on her neck or these horrible rhymes uh-huh. i guess according to the covers of the book that this is the part where innocence won against the battle of evil oh okay and what do you know to wrap it all up and conveniently have an explanation as to why michelle went 22 years not remembering this mamere uh, comes back with the milk she went out for Ooh, um you know one last time and here are some of the things that she tells Michelle. We'll put everything that you've seen and heard, we'll put it in a safe place. We'll keep it safe. Michelle asks, how will the ears know where it is? She says, there is a special time and a special place when all the things you have seen and heard, you will remember them exactly. I don't want to. I want to forget about them. Shh. Shh. I know you do. We would all like to forget about them. That was exactly how you felt after you read this book. I sure wish I could forget forget this. (laughs) Um, Mamere also said, there's a special place where everyone feels at home. Watch where you go and keep track of the time. All of what has happened will count. You will not forget anything. Once you have told what you have seen and heard, they won't forget. And you will tell more ears that hear. Um, I included that specifically because we're going to kind of come back to that in a bit. Oh, my goodness. So the final words of the book entirely. Like, and okay. again, I'm skipping over like, <laughs> uh, f- uh, fuck it. Like, it's just not worth some stuff. But the final words of the book were this. I don't have any more to say. Hmm? Dr. Pazder says, startled. He had fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that is all there is. And he says that her tone was like final. And um, and then the last word, the very, very last words were, and that was all. The remembering was finished. <laughs> so that was a gist of the book. Yeesh. Wow. You don't Damn. Even... I mean. Uh... I feel like you should get a merit badge for the <laughs> you know crap what? literature that you've read. I will take a merit badge. Gla- <laughs> you know, I will. I really will. 
this felt like a fucking accomplishment when i got done with and then it took me a real like it took oh getting through it was terrible and then writing this took a really long time because i'm like what the fuck do i extract out of this pile of shit like you know uh and, it's gonna be an open book with the pile of poop in it that's gonna be the picture on the front of your merit badge well yeah and she also shit on the butt remember exactly so it's perfect. yeah it's a d- double meaning mm-hmm. we love that yeah now let's talk some of the other details of the book like how much money it made them oh gosh they were given a 342 thousand dollar advance which wow. is a shit ton of money in 1980 especially in 1980 yeah that's equivalent to 1.2 million today holy shit and larry and michelle were fucking everywhere (sighs) being interviewed by all the major news channels and talk shows Mm -hmm. they appeared on an episode of to tell the truth oh wow and they even made a ironic (laughs) they even made a visit to the vatican okay there's a whole catholic side of this that we could maybe go into on another point about how like yeah, he was a devout Catholic. She was just like, oh, I'm not religious. But then she was like, at one point during like their session, she's like, I don't think I can tell you more without going to a priest. And she converts and it's this whole thing and like whatever. Oh, and then like the Catholic okay. Church kind of like backed the book. They were just like, yes, yes. You know, that's a whole oh, fucking thing. So they go on a speaking tour and that really ramps things up. There's conferences for police and all kinds of things. And I'm actually not going to get into all of that today because I want to do it justice. So that needs to be its own thing. So in the future, we will talk about the effects of the book and how it intertwined with and sparked some of the biggest events of the Satanic Panic. Okay. Today, we're keeping it to the the focus of being the book itself. Okay. So now let's dig into questions and debunking of the book. First of all, we have to start with the relationship between Larry and Michelle. Because that gives us a possible motive here. Okay. So if you remember back to how he'd been treating her for four years and then they stopped treatment. But then she had the miscarriage and he came to the hospital to see her. Well, her doctor at the hospital had called him up being like, you should come see her. I'm concerned. And she can encourage me to call you. So Michelle kind of like actively sought him out again. Mm-hmm. Now, speculation, obviously. But sounds to me like homegirl just really wanted to see him again and jumped at the chance when she told him the dream about the spiders. And he was like, well, there must be something deeper there. And we need to start seeing each other again. And (laughs) she's like, hell yeah. Yep. And then later when she's like, I feel like there's something I need to tell you, but I don't know what. Um, I think she's desperate to keep seeing him. So in the beginning, she dragged it out because remember how it was like for a while it was like, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden she's like, I'm ready. Um, I think that then she like found something that would work and go on for a long ass time. And then she jumped at that after she, you know. And during her sessions throughout the book, Larry talks about how she needed closeness to feel safe. To tell, you know, recover these memories because, you know, she's supposedly a five-year-old girl in the moment while this is happening. So he would mention wanting to remain professional. So sometimes it was just placing a hand on her for reassurance or letting her rest her head on his shoulder. But apparently it went way past that to full-blown snuggling up laying beside him on the couch in his office. Okay. You know, to feel safe. (laughs) You know. Like laying there together. Like she would like, she was like snuggled, like nestled on his chest. Whitney, I need to, I need to feel safe. (laughs) 
It never works. It never works. I'm just like, <laughs> all I talking. want is safety. Um, and Michelle and Larry way overstepped boundaries in other ways too. Oh, telling me surprised. She would call him at all hours of the day, even at home, needing his help because she was remembering things and she's scared. Okay. At one point, he took a month-long vacation to Mexico with his family, and she was still calling him even there. Wow. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, because and like, she, like it's so like fucking manipulative. Like she would call and be like, "I think I'm gonna die." Like, mm-hmm. like he, he, one of his colleagues was supposed to be was like taking over while he was gone, but then it was yeah. like, "No, I need to talk to you. I feel like I'm gonna die." <sighs> and then, like I mentioned earlier, their sessions could be like a work day long, like six, eight hours. But from what I, I, in some instances, it sounded like it was like 10 to 12, like at different points. And then here's the real kicker. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Sometime after the book released, they quietly got married. Color me surprised. And they both had been married too. Larry had been married for many, many years to his wife, Marilyn, and they had four children Mm -hmm. older at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Because he's just to give you a reference, I think he was like early, mid to like maybe mid 40s. And um, at this point, like she's like 27, 28 during the recovering. Okay. Okay. Um, So he has four children with his wife, Marilyn, and his wife actually was the one to initiate the divorce because she was like, this is inappropriate. You've gone too deep. Bye bye. Like she was Mm -hmm. just like, it was just taking over their entire fucking lives and yeah like she was kind of like stalkerish to their family and things oh i believe it um and larry like i said was a devout catholic so he was trying for a fucking annulment which is laughable you don't annul a marriage after that long with four fucking kids what were you what was his reasoning <laughs> like, for it's that, absurd you know? it's fucking absurd sorry brosif it's a divorce <laughs> like it's fucking ridiculous So Michelle had also been married to a man named Doug um, and uh, Larry had actually been to their wedding and everything. Like she started seeing him. I think I want to say like when they were like when she started going to therapy the first time, I think was like when she was like dating him or engaged or something. And part of the reason she went to therapy was like, I don't want to pass anything on if we have children and blah, 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 blah. Wow. So um, and there's even parts where it talks about like, oh, and like Michelle and her husband brought him some salmon he caught and like. Like things like that, like they're, you know, they were very intertwined. Okay. More than you'd think a psychiatrist and patient should be. Yeah. So um, she was married to Doug. They didn't have any children and they divorced. Um, And it's funny because they did, they tried to not bring too much attention to it at the time. (laughs) It happened while they were still somewhat out on the circuit with okay. these speaking engagements and things. And I imagine they didn't want to advertise it because of optics. Oh, so. of course. So speculation here. This is my opinion. But I think that this is the classic story of a young girl who has like a mad crush on her psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Like she started seeing him around like 23-ish for the first time. He was smart older attractive listened to her and understood her you know (laughs) so it's like that's what i think happened and she was wanted an excuse to see him again and for so long and Mm -hmm. as much as possible and i think i think that's the motive right i mean she got what she wanted she fucking married him you know Mm -hmm. um next part of questions and debunking 
Michelle's family. So here we have Michelle claiming her mom was a member of this satanic cult and offers her up to them. Right. So what's her mom have to say about all this? <laughs> well, Michelle's mother passed away when Michelle was 14. Oh. And as for her father, he wasn't really in her life. Unfortunately, Michelle had a pretty troubled childhood. Mm-hmm. Her father was an alcoholic and abusive and would disappear for long periods of time. Okay. And um, after her mother died, he didn't want to like have to take care of her. So he sent her off to Catholic boarding school. But Michelle maintains that she was not Catholic and that they didn't make her attend religious classes. So um, I think that's another way where she's just like, see, I just didn't know these things, you know, like... <laughs> I was you don't <laughs> go to Catholic boarding school without... And not pick up on something? <laughs> but then also, like, the whole point of it is that that's part of your education. So it's not like you get a choice to be like, yeah, I want to do this, but I don't want to do any of that stuff. She specifically says that they let her and that she felt like an outcast because of it, because she wasn't involved in all those things. Okay. Um, but more on her family. Both sets of grandparents also passed away shortly after her mother, too. Oh, that's sad. So one can't help but think that, because uh, like one set of them, I, for, I forget which side, but one side was kind of like taking care of her, even though mm-hmm. she was away at boarding school. So one can't help but think that Michelle probably thought she could get away with it, thinking nobody was around to claim otherwise. Right. She's like, my dad's not around. Mm-hmm. My mom's dead. Both my grandparents are dead. Sweet. And I also just right. think in general, back then people thought they could because the resources weren't available right. that are today. You couldn't jump on the... On the Googles and look things up, yeah. Yep. But her father did come forward. Granted, he sounds like a piece of shit father and wasn't around much. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me be clear about that. But uh, he's pretty much said, I I don't get why she would make this stuff up. Saying, quote, the book took me four months to read and I cried (laughs) all the time. I mean, I I wish I could have (laughs) taken four months, dear God. Um, (laughs) But uh, I cried all the time. I kept saying to myself, dear God, how could anyone do this to their dead mother? Um, And her father even sent the publisher an an intent to sue. But it was if they took the contents beyond the literary contract. So basically barring them from turning it into a movie. Like, if you do that, I'm going to sue you. Wow. And here's the other part. Michelle actually has siblings. They're never mentioned in the book, but she has sisters. And for many years, they weren't really involved. People, And that's the other thing. It's like, Larry doesn't bring that up in his book. Like, let's talk to your family. Like, that's all wow. completely glossed over. No, like, let's try to get another count from, you know, right. your siblings. Mm-hmm. None of that. But so for a long time, they were just kind of not involved. But recently... One of her sisters has been like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. <laughs> like, wow. Like, she's just like, I don't. Oh, and there was a funny part where she says she took French all through high school. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it's like, oh, honey. Oh, man. Uh. I think Michelle truly believed she could just get away with it because she had so few family members like still alive or yeah. around. I just thought she was just like, oh, this is no you know whatever mm-hmm. and the plausible deniability of like oh well, your siblings were around your age or didn't realize these things or you know what i mean yeah 
their relationship obviously doesn't sound like it was great. So it's not like you had somebody that was close to you. If you d- if you came out with something similar, your sisters would be like, the fuck is she the talking fuck is she about? Talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now let's talk about possible influences. People can't help but notice that some of the things Michelle describes in the book sound like they mimic some things in pop culture. Oh, I'm ready for it. At one point, she describes a possessed woman as having her head turned completely around. Sounds eerily similar to Reagan in The Exorcist when yep. she's possessed. Okay. And just other, like, just like you were saying, like, hey, that kind of sounds Rosemary's baby-ish. Or mm-hmm. like, you know, so people are just like, oh, this kind of sounds like this. And there's just like mm-hmm. various little things. <laughs> but a big form of influence might have been from Larry himself. Larry had been to Africa in years past, and he, um, he I guess like whatever like the newest technology was at the time, like he was all up on it. So like okay. even back in like the fifties and like early sixties, like he was like the guy with like the video camera making like the home movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so he would make, you know, home movies on his travels there. Okay. And he became deeply interested in what he was like, basically calling secret blood drinking cannibalistic cults there okay. in Africa. And throughout the book, as Michelle would recall these memories, he would be like, ah, yes, that sounds like what I saw in Africa, blah, 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 blah. So she would say something and he would connect it to this. So it becomes like leading in a way. Like Mm. Michelle could just say something fucking crazy and he he would have an answer. He would have an answer as to what it was. She didn't have to say anything that made any sense. Like, he would make sense of it for her. Of course. He would be like, oh, well, that just sounds, oh, yeah. Well, I saw this one thing with the ritual, and that sounds like this. And, like, mm-hmm. and she's just like, uh huh, yeah. And he would you keep know. the sexy silver fox therapist on the hook. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I think him being a devout Catholic plays into it as well. I think he felt like he could help her from all angles, from a psychiatric um, point. And then I think, you know, he has, he can really relate it back to this other experience and interest he has. And then also with Catholicism, I think that he felt like he had kind of like a religious answer to it as well. Like mm-hmm. he had answers to like all three things. Mm-hmm. Well, like, like Catholicism loves a ritual. There's a lot in it on a lot of sides that are kind of ritual based. So if you think about it, he was kind of like yes anding everything she said. Mm-hmm. Totally. It is interesting, though, because Larry's ex-wife, Marilyn, says that she 100% believes that he believed Michelle. Like, she doesn't think he is lying. She thinks Michelle is. Okay. Which, I mean, I can see. I can see that she's bringing up things that he has a personal interest in and becomes invested and, like, Mm -hmm. devoted to, like, helping this poor young girl. Like I said, he thinks that he might have, like, three aspects that can, like, help. Um, so I could see him being like, oh my gosh, I need to help this girl. Or also like, I'm breaking this big story and look at this Mm -hmm. big thing I'm doing in this world of psychiatry. And like, I could see where like, he might fucking lap it all up and believe everything she's saying, you know? So yeah, that was interesting to hear from his ex-wife. She's like, no, no, no. I think he, I think he believes it. Like, (laughs) um, and now just some random stuff. So she refers to things taking place in ross bay cemetery many times throughout the book you know just where you just get thrown in random you Mm -hmm. know know, coffins like one does yeah and people find that suspect because that cemetery faces the bay 
leaving three sides. All three of those sides surrounding fucking residential residential neighborhoods. Okay. So people find it very unlikely that there were regularly rituals taking place. And nobody, nobody noticed or, or said anything or yeah. Nothing. She also refers to a specific mausoleum that there's a photo of it in the book. And it's very small, and she describes it as holding many people, like many people being present for these rituals inside. So people okay. are like, oh. So these are just kind of those little, like, mm, things. Like, it's like the TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside. Maybe. Yeah. That could be it. Mm-hmm. Um, remember the lump car accident thing? <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> Nobody can find any record of that accident anywhere. Larry does say he tried to find more information about it in the book, but like, you know, because of the years past, the records were destroyed. But people are like, there should still be a news article about a crash resulting in a fire involving a child that killed a woman. Oh, and by the way, that was around Christmas time. So you feel like there'd be that added like Mm. Christmas time. Oh, like, you know. When you said the part, of them not being able to find any record of it. That's where I was going to be like, oh, I'm sorry. This is the part I'm supposed to be surprised in, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because they were like, oh, back then, like, you know, medical records were destroyed and stuff. So that's why there's not record. And people are like, but there would still be uh, like, the, the way uh, that newspapers yeah. are still like archived and things mm-hmm. like that. They're like, it would have made the news. Yeah. A- a fucking- Unless there was a satanic cover up. Oh, yeah, yes. You're right. You're right. See? So Larry contacts Michelle's pediatrician for her records. He says he doesn't have them, but that he remembers her being involved in an accident as a child and that she suffered from smoke inhalation. The doctor also says that she was treated for poisoning a couple of times as a child, but luckily none of those instances were ever serious. Okay. Larry also finds her dental records that he seems to believe corroborates a particular story that I didn't even bother sharing, where <laughs> Michelle shares something about like ha- something happening to her tooth through- during a ritual okay. or something. This is a very tooth-heavy episode. Um, <laughs> and that's the tooth. But all of this fails to acknowledge that Michelle could take some things that really did happen to her as a child and weave it into her story. Oh, yeah. So you're like, it's not quite the the that you think it is, Larry, you know? Okay. <laughs> so she had like they're like, so she banged her tooth as a child. Okay. So, you know, like This feels very Shutter Island. <laughs> I was just talking about Shutter Island Such today a good movie. with Marshall. So there's also the question of Michelle's absence during this year long period. Okay. Nobody who knew her, including her sisters who lived with her, can recall her being absent for any period of time. (laughs) And I would like to remind you that that big ritual she recovered towards the end supposedly lasted 81 days. The Feast of the Beast. Yes. Okay. Yep. So people have talked to neighbors who are just like, um, that's not, I mean, and I know that they're like, you know, people can be one thing to the outside and one thing but they're mm-hmm. just like about her like her mom and stuff they're like i we just don't when we never saw anything she was like right. we just don't get it um people have gone to her old school looked up her old yearbooks and wow. michelle is present wow she talks about being starved and having lost her hair 
nobody has any memory of Michelle looking that way. She wore a wig. (laughs) I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be on her side through every single one of these things. And you know, that actually just like sparked a thing in me that I forgot that I didn't write down. But it's like at one point in the early days when she's still trying to come up with when she hasn't gotten there yet, she hasn't, you know, the pressure hasn't lifted and she's not ready yet. (laughs) She does like, it's so weird because she's, um, she's like, I was, you know, I was never overweight until this grade, until first grade. And she's like, like, basically she's like, it's like she's leading into this whole thing of like, something must have happened to make me, same with my mom. My mom was never awake until the, what happened then? So it's like, she's getting at like later on being like, oh, after this, then she was like overweight for the remainder of her life or something. It's Yeesh. it's really fucking weird. Wow. Um, all right. So nobody remembers her looking starved. Nobody remembers her hair being at nobody. Nobody remembers. She's in her fucking yearbooks. People are like, what the fuck? You're right here. You know? Um, but I'd also like to address how this time period was assigned in the first place. Okay. So if you remember back to that first session where Michelle begins recovering memories, it was Larry who decided that she sounded like a five-year-old. Okay. And then later towards the end of the book, they say they came to a conclusion of when this time period was based on a calendar surrounding these events that would take place okay like how the feast of the beast supposedly only takes place every 27 years so they were like tracking it based off of another other ones right reported and that's where they were like oh yeah it took place in the fall of 1955 which would make you five and i said you sounded five so you were five it settled you were five (laughs) you know okay so that's how they came up with this but then you go and look at her fucking like yearbook from when she should have been that age. There she is. Wow. So, which is it? Either she was, you're saying she was five and no, she's right here, was never mm-hmm. missing. She was never missing anyway. Nobody's ever been missed her. But it's, <laughs> or, oh, is all of that wrong? Right. All your dates are wrong? Like. That picture of her could have been planted by the, by the satanic cult. True. Other random things to note. Remember how they came to the conclusion that all those babies and the rituals had to have been stolen from hospitals and such? As one does. Nothing to back that up. No records of stolen fetuses or stillborn babies anywhere. I mean, I was sure that was going to be... That was going to break this case wide wide open. open. So for all these things that happened to Michelle, including having horns and a tail surgically attached to her that she then ripped off... And countless times that she talks about being cut, mm-hmm. she has no scars to show. Oh, my goodness. But if I remember correctly, I could be remembering wrong. But I thought she said that Mamere took care of that. Oh. We should get Mamere on this podcast. <laughs> right? Ooh, Lamere. Like, I feel like she said, like, something about, like, oh, her son, too. Like, remember how, like, Jesus, like, I don't know. But, like, I don't know. Who was Mamere? That's what really comes out of the. Can we get Mamere on the pod? She's the next one. Yeah. She was wearing blue, by the way. Mamere was wearing blue. He was okay. wearing blue. Yeah. So. Um, and remember how Michelle said that they had fingers that they wiped blood onto the statue of Satan for that like 13 day ritual? Mm-hmm. And I joked like where all these fucking fingers are from. <laughs> well, way later at the very end of the book, Michelle brings up just that. Wow. But she does it very Stuart from Mad TV style. <laughs> she's very like i don't want to say i don't want to say um no 
I don't want to say. She's like, I can't tell you this. I'm not supposed to tell you this. And it's like somehow this is fucking different from anything else she's fucking shared. Like you've said all this and then you're like, I'm not supposed to tell you this. Like it's stupid. It's uh, fucking stupid. What does mommy say? <laughs> Look what I can do. What does mommy say? <laughs> yes. Oh, on a Tuesday. Since your father left us on a Tuesday. <laughs> All right, so um, she's just like, I can't tell you this, which I'm I'm rolling my eyes. If if you can't see or feel that, I am rolling my eyes. At she's that rolling her upper body at this point. Yes, but she, you know, she finally comes out and says it. She's so brave um, that the members chopped off their left middle finger, and that's what they were using in those rituals. Okay. So, like, where are the mass amount of people in her town with, like, their left fucking middle finger missing? That's an easy tell. Like, somehow that just goes unnoticed? Like, in Harry Potter, you know that somebody followed Voldemort because they have the Death Eater tattoo, and that's how it's there, and then some of them hide it. Like, there's a tell. And that's not something you can hide as easily as a tattoo. You know what I mean? At least in Rosemary's Baby, it's like his mark was supposed to, it was supposed to be on the shoulder, you mm. know, or like, I mean, they're just chopping off all these like fucking fingers and they're just like going about their day as a nurse. My favorite part of that movie is the end where the baby has the eyes. His eyes. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> oh God. I love that movie. I watch it every fucking She was fucking watching it the other year. day. Yeah. Uh. You don't have to join us, Rosemary. Be a mother to him. <laughs> what have you done to it? <laughs> Oh, man. Any hoozle. So the last big question I'll reference before closing out is Michelle's memory. Remember how Mamere basically tells her that she's putting her memories in a safe place until it's the right time to remember them? Mm -hmm. Convenient. Of course. Um, And that once you have told what you have seen and heard, they won't forget. Well, she and Larry, they took it and ran with that. People would ask Michelle questions in interviews and at speaking engagements, and she would seemingly look to Larry, and he would answer for her. Oh, how he, IBLP of her. Very. He would say that she's pretty much forgotten again, and that he is now the keeper of this information. Wow. Once again, wow. very convenient. Uh, um, seems to me, um, opinion here, that it's a, it's a case of the, I made this shit up. As I went along, so now I can't remember it. Mm-hmm. Not a real memory, so you can't keep it straight. Yep. Real memories, it's easier to keep straight. Mm-hmm. Lies are a whole different thing. But Larry, as the listener and not the maker-upper, can now remember it better than her, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. it's like, he wasn't having to make it up as he went along, so mm-hmm. he, he like actually like took this all in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but my mayor said that this is how it would happen. So it's all good in the hood. She was like, oh, yeah, they're going to remember it. <laughs> He's oh. going to remember it. Yep. So I'll leave you with this. In the epilogue, Larry and Michelle try to get ahead of some of these types of questions by saying this. When she thinks back upon the years following her ordeal, she does not draw upon her depths, but upon her normal memory. And what she remembers is this. She remembers that at first she was sick. She remembers being kept home, being told she had measles, being kept away from everyone in a darkened room. 
She recalls that she wouldn't eat and that her mother, perhaps her father too, she can't remember if this was one of the times when he had returned to the family, seemed concerned. At least they gave her anything she actually wanted to eat. What Michelle wanted was rather limited, just salad, tomato soup, vegetables, especially cabbage. I'm glad they include that detail. <laughs> and ice cream. It was all she ate for a long time, maybe months. Eventually, she was allowed to start school. She knows she started school late. The other children were somewhat ahead of her, and for a while she felt left behind. Her Cameron? Um, <laughs> had anyone noticed Michelle's absence American from Georgia. everyday life during her time in the round room? She does not know. Did anyone question her about it after her return? She cannot remember that anyone did. Did she ever again see any of the Satanists at home or in the company of her mother? She has no idea. Since Michelle, as a child, had no memory of the horrible things that had been done to her in 1954 and 1955, she had no reason to be aware of such people. So it's all one big shoulder shrug. Well, yep. Throw your hands in not, the air. I don't remember. I do not recall. It's like, And I love that that's like, oh, like, um, you know, did anybody ask about her? Anybody start? She doesn't know. I do not well, recall. Well, they're telling you. Yeah, we, we never, you yep. were never fucking got, like, they're telling you that. But it's just like, she doesn't remember. Jeez. Shrug shoulders. I'm that shruggy, I'm the shruggy emoji in the purple. <laughs> That's Michelle. Oh, man. That last part that you read, was that at the end, was that in the book? The epilogue. Yeah. yeah. So, it reminds me a lot of, like, the thing that goes on where, like, Sometimes when people are weaving a lie, they go into very small, like hard detail on very small things because they feel like it gives their story credence. Cabbage. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Like, ugh. So we will get into the cultural and societal fallout from this book at some point in the future. But I felt it was important, no matter how painful it was, to first dig into the people behind it and the book itself that fueled what was to come wow truly one of the most painful dig reads to date <laughs> when he looks exhausted the re it was the reading it was like it was the, it was the dialogue the five-year-old die i can't i couldn't find it wasn't just like oh my like the parts where i'm just like oh yeah you were red and they put a tail on you and they, you know like <laughs> like that i'm like i could read that and keep keep it moving right mm -hmm. but it's when it's oh god it was grating to Man. read that type of dialogue of like wait oh oh the bunnies oh 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 no oh he's here oh look at him he looks strange oh i'm scared oh what am i doing oh they're back like it's just but think of confirmation bias. Like if you were already into it and you read that, you would be horrified. Awful. Awful. So that is the dig for this week. Wow. Now I'm glad to be done with the book and now we can actually at different points talk about <laughs> more about them specifically after like the book and then mm. some of the very specific events that transpired. And I'll let you know when we get your uh, merit badge. I got to send it out to be made. Thank you. I, yep. I would, you know, I would appreciate it. Yep, that was your shitty read merit oh, badge. Yep. Yeesh. Oh, if, if you ever felt the urge to read it, don't. Don't. <laughs> read a fucking summary. It doesn't even have to be go read a summary from somewhere else. I wish I had, but 
<sighs> you know, it's it's the journalistic Man. integrity in me. I'm, oh, I'm, be, I'm being. She um, clasped her hands I'm, together to give I'm herself. I'm being sarcastic, some... you guys. I don't wow. think I'm journalistic, but you know, it was the it's the journalistic integrity that you know forced me that wow. propelled me through. Wow. And tequila. Literally, I was like, I need a fucking drink. Oh, man. Any hoozle, so that's that. That was an epic that one. That is Michelle Remembers. <laughs> uh, not a good read. Not not at all. All right. Good on you, man. Shall we move on to something that we actually like? Please. All right. We are going to move on to our fantastic segment called... What are we digging on? What are you digging on? <sighs> All right. I'm assuming you want me to go first because that was a pretty rough one. Um, mine is small gestures that people do to make sure other people know that they care. Okay. And it's personal things. Um, I had two good male friends when I was in my younger adult life and we grew apart over the years because I realized that there was what we had kind of bonded over when I was younger I just kind of matured past and then I realized that neither one of them was really mature enough to move on and have like real adult kind of relationships you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and we've talked about it on here before you were like when you when adult life takes a lot of your time and you get back with somebody two months later and you hang out and you're like oh it's exactly like we never stopped like that's always a, a good sign of like i understand that we both have obligations but we still appreciate each other's yeah you know companionship so um that ended and I think for a lot of recent history, I really haven't had any friends. Like, I don't spend time with, like, other people. No, other... says, excuse me? I don't spend time <laughs> with, like, other yeah. men. You know what I mean? And, like, male friendship is important. And I, I feel like it's something I, I yearn for a lot. But there's little signs from people that you're just like, oh, that's cool. So I want to I wanna call out in a positive way one specific gesture and i told whitney this and it was a really sweet gesture i'm a comic book collector i have a subscription box at my local comic book shop and i have books that i subscribe to and when they come in they order them for me and they put them in my box and i go and i'm really sorry to ken the owner of my local comic book (laughs) shop i haven't been there in like a month and a half my box is probably huge it's probably $200 worth of stuff that's in there at this point. I apologize. I didn't, um, I didn't abandon it and I'll be there soon. Ken, if you're listening, he's not listening. Ken, if you're listening. He's not listening. I'm sorry. I'll be there soon. Um, anyway, so right before, right after Christmas, my birthday's after Christmas. So right after Christmas, I went in to, um, get everything out of my box. And instead of giving me the stack that I have in there, they gave me a plastic bag. And I was like, what is this? And I opened it up, and one of my friends who I'd worked with, 
who lives very close to us still to this day, and who I work with again. He, he was he the first and, one to come over, yeah. Yeah, he came and joined me at my new place. Um, he had paid for my subscription box as a birthday present. Aww. And I just sweet. thought that was really sweet that he like went in and he was like, hey, this is the guy's name. Like, I want to. And there was just a little like post-it note in there that said, happy birthday, boss man. And it had his name Aww, on it. Oh, that and is I thought very it was sweet. Absolutely adorable. He's a good and He's a he good, a good guy. So those are just little gestures to people that you care about that tell them that you care about them. It doesn't have to be anything big. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. But there's just something little. That makes you know that people to somebody else that you're like, I was thinking about you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm digging it. Yep. Well, mine is um, not as deep and rather (laughs) specific. (laughs) But, you know, I'm usually the one that's crying. So this is probably good. Oh, I made this whole episode without crying. Guys, dude, I can finally. That book was real bad. Yeah. Not one fucking tear this episode. Um, A lot of teeth chattering. but No, (laughs) no tears. (laughs) no tears but lots of teeth um so my like i said very specific not not heartwarming like yours but mine is that okay there was a period of time people remember on the interwebs on the social medias um when videos of people like post anesthesia was like a thing and there was they were doing a ton of them right and a lot they're uh, they're all funny in their own Uh. way but there is one currently that makes me laugh so fucking hard i keep going back to watch it and i'm like tim watch it and i keep going back because it just makes me laugh and it's this girl that had her tonsils taken out and she's like crying about how they took her hat and her hat is like her um like the little bonnet you know like your little yeah, surgical bonnet yeah. and they're like well most people don't like it when they're ugly and she's like I, and like she's just like crying that she wanted it for later and she's like they took my hat they took my tonsils and they're her mom's like that's what you're here for and um the ending is really great because she's talking into her phone she's recording herself and she's like my mom's pissing me off real bad because she didn't want to give me my phone and she said don't record anything because you might regret it might be embarrassing and i was like mom what's embarrassing about being a warrior (laughs) and she's like she doesn't get it and uh, i'm not doing it justice but it is hilarious and I was like, you know, when I just need a little fucking pick me up, I've been yeah. really busy. I've been really, like, I feel stretched very thin these days. But then I'm like, you know what? I go and I watch it and I laugh and I feel re-energized, you know? Uh, it's just the perfect little funny pick me up. That's hilarious. I love it. That's what's embarrassing about being a warrior. <laughs> so whoever that girl is. Love you. Good on you. If she's you. listening, we love you. If if Warrior Girl Wendy Warrior over there is listening, y- you've brought me many laughs, many smiles. I deeply appreciate it. <laughs> so that is what I'm digging on. I love not that. quite as great as yours, but it's a. They're not all heartfelt. No, not all. It's just things that are bringing us joy. I'm digging it in the moment. You are digging it. Yep. Also, with this being the last episode of the season. That means next week is the State of the Pod episode. Mm-hmm. Turn that into a thing now. So no dig, no episode recap. We'll just be discussing some some end of season stuff, mm-hmm. some next season things, as well as that's when we usually do a Q&A. Mm-hmm. So I'll be posting on Instagram 
um, a little graphic and you can leave questions in the comments. You can um, email us at diggingupthedougars at gmail. Mm-hmm. Um, put like maybe put question like in the subject line so it's easy to. Or state of the yeah, pod or, or something, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always DM us on Instagram or whatever. But uh, just keep in mind that the turnaround on this is pretty quick since this yeah. episode is coming out a day later than normal. Correct. Like by Sunday. So when you're, if this is coming out on like mm-hmm. Friday, if we're going to be recording like Monday or Tuesday, it's kind of a quick turnaround. So yep. um, if you got For a question, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you got a question, um, maybe do it on, the, on Instagram posts or whatever. But yeah, so we just got a couple days and then it'll be state of the pod next week. Yep. Mildred, Mildred will be ready for your questions. All right. Bring it on home. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy what you heard or you enjoy Wendy Warrior or comic books or La- or Mamere, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash digging up the dug. Join us on the Instagram for episode visuals and polls and obviously the Mildred content, let's be real, um, at Digging well, Up the Duggers I mean, in our pod. Halloween costumes. Ooh, epic. Epic this year. You did. You outdid yourself, by the way. And if you'd like to send us some traditional mail, P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. You know what? Do a little gesture for somebody. Let them know that you care about them. And if you find that video of that girl anesthesia, send that to them. Yep, yep, yep. Bring a little joy to their lives. A warrior in your life. Be a warrior out there. 